morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hasseg, and to my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, my man, Dave. How you doing this morning? I'm good. You dried out yet from, from this weekend? Oh, man. It was, so, it was so wet in Virginia, but it was so brisk. In DC. All right, so you got you got air dried. I got a little. I got a little bit of both, <laughs> folks. It's been a, it's been another crazy, crazy week. Uh, it, it could be an even crazier weekend next weekend. But little PSA to start things off with, real quick. It is November fifth, which means tomorrow is election day. Get out and vote, no matter what your political affiliation. It is important for our democracy and as a country. Get to the polls. Get out and vote. It's important. But this past weekend in in college football has just been bonkers at every level Colgate with another shutout which we I can't believe we don't have time for you talk about voting I need to vote in that stats FCS not stats FCS but the NCAA FCS top 8 top 10 so yes voting is important (laughs) because what I saw on that list it, it was egregious it's pronounced egregious. Uh, we will talk about the folks. We will have our top eight playoff seeds that we see going into the postseason. We will be looking ahead to 2019. We're going to do a Mel Kuyper here. We're already looking at 2019 and who our sleeper teams could be. And we're going to talk about who strengthened and weakened their playoff chances with only a couple weeks left to go here before Selection Sunday. Let's get right into it, Emery. As you said, we alluded to it. You were down in Virginia this week. You had a little FBS game to cover. How are things down at the uh, the grounds of UVA? UVA is a phenomenal-looking campus, man, and their stadium is perfectly settled in the middle of campus. It's a great atmosphere to catch a game, and I can understand why the uh, the program is the way it is. They, they, they love Bryce Perkins down there, the quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, who has uh, awakened some of the echoes of Sean Moore. That's before your time. He was one of the phenomenal quarterbacks throwing to Herman Moore. Uh, so I remember that combination growing up. I still remember watching vividly that game on ABC against Georgia Tech. That was a phenomenal game. Uh, so Virginia was great. And the following day, I was at Howard FAMU. Go-go. Yeah. It, it, go-go offense was in effect. What I like about Howard and how they were able to upset FAMU, because FAMU was supposed to win that game and, and lock up the MIAC and beat an automatic mm-hmm. bird. Now, they still have uh, – their destiny in their own hands. Right. But Howard showed up that day. Their offense was phenomenal. The go-go offense was in effect. What, what I like about the go-go offense, and it, you see a, a stark difference when wide receiver Jaquez Ezzard is in the lineup to when he's out. Mm-hmm. He is their big playmaker, and he takes coverage away from Kyle Anthony, who was the direct beneficiary of Ezzard being back in the lineup. Right. He had a big day, had a huge touchdown, and quiet as kept, Howard is one of the best rushing teams in the FCS because they can run the football with any one of their backs. They have a true sophomore, uh, former walk-on, um, in uh, uh, Dedrick Parson, yeah. who took over the ball game. And he is phenomenal. He's from Philadelphia. And so they were able to beat FAMU with balance. And defensively, they did a great job. And FAMU, quite honestly, you can understand why they're top, one of the tops uh, or the top team in the MEAC because of how they play defense their assignment sound offensively Ryan Stanley although he was a bit inconsistent on that day he can throw the football and those receivers can get open they make clutch catches I'm talking about receivers and tight ends like they have a well-balanced offense so it was a great game came down to the last possession FAMU was able to to uh not clinch Howard was able to win 31 to 28 so it was a phenomenal game so that was my weekend and a, a certainly makes things more interesting in terms of the Celebration Bowl picture because now FAMU still has their control of their own hands, but one more slip, all of a sudden... That Florida Classic against Bethune-Cookman, because the game they have next week against South Carolina State does not count against SWAC standings. Right. Uh, so, uh, MEAC standings. So the, their next conference game is in the Florida Classic, which, which is always... That's going to be crazy. Oh, my goodness. Well, talk about craziness. This seems to be a weekly occurrence. We had two more upsets this week in the top ten. We had a whole bunch of upsets up and down the list, but the number one we got to talk about is a former national champion in trouble. JMU, who they're number three going into this week, they already had a conference loss to Elon, and what was a tight ball game. They lose to UNH, 35-24. Now, again, we've talked about UNH before. They've had a ton of injury problems. They, got, they, they literally had their legs taken out from under them a couple, you know, one week into the season. 
with you know losing their starting quarterback. They've got him back, and now they're starting to win games, and now they're playing spoiler to everybody else in in the CAA. Is JMU in trouble after this game? It could be, man. You can't win games when your quarterback is throwing three interceptions. No, that doesn't help. That doesn't work for the Jets with Sam <laughs> Darnold. No. You know, your defense is holding their own. They can do what they can do, but your offense has to be able to maximize those bonus possessions, and you can't give the ball away. And that's what happened to the Dukes on Saturday. They gave the ball away a lot. New Hampshire was able to capitalize, get the win, and yes, they have put James Madison, the mighty Dukes, firmly on the bubble if things were to play out in a certain way in the CAA. It's crazy to think about. That's absolutely... Right, we may be completely off, but just from looking at how other teams are faring in the rest of the FCS and within their own conference, yes, they are on the bubble. That's, again, crazy to think about. A wild game, though, in the SoCon. And this was a game, if you looked at the beginning of the season, I think we pegged this one as like, this is going to decide the SoCon title. Samford versus Wofford. Now, obviously, Samford's had their struggles this season. They have not been what we thought they were going to be. Wofford has had a couple slips as well, but they've still kind of held on. But now they lose 35-20. This is a beatdown for Wofford. They should still win the SoCon. They should still make the playoffs. But this is troubling for the Terriers. Yeah, this is very troubling because these are the type of teams you're going to face in the playoffs. And remember, I said this before, this is why Wofford didn't really scare me as far as a threat when we talked about yeah. against North Dakota State. Sanford was a team they should have beaten, you know, considering how strong their secondary is. I think they have one of the better secondaries in the conference and arguably in the FCS. So the fact that they couldn't slow down Devlin Hodges, I know that's a tall task, but they couldn't even get their own running game going. Yeah. And credit to Sanford's defense. They did a great job in stopping them enough to where they were able to steal away a few possessions and ultimately win the game. So this was a big win for Sanford and puts a, a damper on uh, Wofford. But if you're East Tennessee State, you have now clinched a share of the SOCON, which is great for East Tennessee State. Who, th- who saw that at the beginning of the season? No Seeing one. East Tennessee up that high. Can we talk about the Wild Wild West? Absolutely. The Southland Conference, if you're a conference commissioner for the Southland right now, you're losing your mind because you're literally watching your playoff number of playoff teams go from like four about maybe a month ago to three you could be looking at a one-bid league now because you had three upsets of ranked teams. Lamar knocks off Central Arkansas, 38-24. Southeast Louisiana dominates McNeese, 23-6. And Sam Houston gets blown out by Incarnate Word, 43-26. We could be looking at maybe two teams, and one of them is Incarnate Word out of the Southland. What is going on in the Wild West here? <laughs> it's funny because we were just making a case a couple of weeks ago about the Southland and Missouri Valley, like, who's going to get more teams in? Right. Well. Now it could be the battle of who gets less teams in. It's <laughs> like two and three. I was shocked looking at some of these scores and checking out a few games uh, yesterday on replay. Just amazing at how. But credit those teams at the bottom for fighting upwards yeah. and making yeah. this a, a competitive conference this year. I don't think you can hold this against the Southland. No. But you have to give coaches that Incarnate Word, Abilene Christian, Lamar. Give those guys credit for making this a well-balanced uh, conference from top to bottom, and boy, they have really shaken things up in the Southland. Shout out to Incarnate Word; they actually could find themselves in the playoffs. Now, who, now, which of those three teams, who does get hurt more by that loss this week? I think McNeese. You think so? Because they were in position to to, uh, to possibly get a bye, and if they went out and win the conference and get in, they now have to play in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, and you were on the McNeese train all year, all year, and that loss last week or this past weekend to uh, Southeast Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana, that's a bad loss. Yeah, and meanwhile, meanwhile, Nichols is sitting on the side like, "Thank you, perfect, this is awesome." Um, we have to talk about the game between the unbeaten's in the Ivy League this past week. Four uh, perfect teams coming into the week, two of them facing each other: Princeton against Dartmouth. We said this could go one of two ways. This is either going to be because both teams were incredible on both sides of the ball. This could either be a slugfest that we see points in the 40s, or it could be a defensive struggle. We got the defensive struggle, but Princeton holds on, gets a 14-9 win over Dartmouth. What did you see in this game? Is Princeton, obviously now, obviously people will question Princeton. They only put up 14 points, but this Dartmouth team is good. So what did you see in this game? I saw a great football game. Uh, One, because you have strength versus strength. Great offense. 
in Princeton going up against a great defense in Dartmouth. And you saw a team in Princeton, Princeton overcome mistakes. We yeah. saw a rare interception by John Lovett. We saw an ineffective passing game. And credit Dartmouth's defense. They have the best cornerback, I believe, in the country in Isaiah Swan, who's a junior. And their offense, because of the nature of how they play, they're not a passing offense, plays right into the hands of the speed of Princeton's defense. So they were able to slow them down, which is why you saw right. them not really move the football down the field. Uh, you know, granted, Princeton gave them two points with the safety, but this offense really couldn't move against that Princeton defense. So mm-hmm. in, if you just look at this from a defensive standpoint and point, uh, point of view or perspective, Princeton's defense rose to the occasion yes. and outplayed Dartmouth's defense. You had to know at some point in time in a game, Princeton's offense will find at least some rhythm and put an additional score on the board, which they right. did, which ultimately was the game-winning point. So I just saw a great football game take nothing away from both teams. This is how great football teams are supposed to play games. And I was yeah. happy to see a 14-9 game as opposed to the, the wild, wild shootouts that we normally see. Yep. This was a very well-coached game on both sides of the ball by both coaches and also a well-played game, clean game, and one that I think showcases the strength of the FCS. Kind of an old-school game, exactly. too, to it. You know, you, solid team on both sides of the ball. You know, you look at those old games from, like, Notre Dame or Navy and Army back in, like, the 50s and 60s, and it was not, you know, 40 to 20, 28. It was, like, 14-10. So you got that here. A matchup of ranked teams in the CAA, Maine versus Towson. A week or so ago, we were saying Towson could be challenging North Dakota State as a national title contender. Now they're on the bubble because UMaine gets another big win, 35-28. The Black Bears are for real, and they've pretty much cemented their place in the playoffs. I mean, talk about turning it on the last couple of weeks. But that's how you are supposed to handle adversity. Yeah, Here's what's laid out in front of you. Here's the task. You have to win these games. And credit Maine for knocking off Rhode Island yep. and winning this game this past weekend. That right there is a great job of coaching by Coach Harasmiak, getting his guys ready to play, getting them out there on the field, and really playing in two elimination games yeah, this past basically. couple of weeks. And so, I listen, you'd be hard-pressed to argue them not being in the playoffs because they have great defense. As long as they don't turn the ball over, they'll be fine. So Maine can do it on both ends. Um, they can run the football, which I thought was going to be a question mark for them coming into the season. But can't argue with what we just saw this weekend, man. And and to get a big win like that, that was huge. Maine's 5-1 and one in conference play. Who had that at the beginning of the season? That's, well, maybe me. <laughs> and, they, and the fact that they were able to make Flacco look ineffective. Which is, I mean, unthinkable a month ago. Absolutely unthinkable. One other game we'll go into in-depth here from the Missouri Valley. Another upset and maybe a bubble bursting. And that's the Illinois State. They lose to Northern Iowa 26-16. How is Illinois State still ranked when they're next to last in the conference? This is crazy, but Northern Iowa, they needed this ball game badly, and they got it done. This is one of those situations where you have brand over ball. Yep. Illinois State has a brand now. Full disclosure, I was all on the Illinois State train. I think we both were. We both like thought they were having a good year. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so what a difference four weeks makes, right? And so now you see a team that you talk about JMU on a bubble. They may have had their bubble burst, I believe. Oh, I think so. You know, but that's what makes this thing very interesting because as we finish out the season and as you look at the standings and how teams are going to shake out, you can make legitimate cases for teams – let's say with similar records, yeah, to go in over Illinois State, despite Illinois State having a dominant win against Colorado State. Well, look at, I mean, you look at Illinois State. If they went out their last two weeks, they finished 7-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in the Missouri Valley. If you take them ahead of a South Dakota State, Northern Iowa, Western Illinois, we should just disband the committee because it's not working. If you take them over a 2017 9-2 McNeese or 2017 8-3 Austin P. Then what's the point of the committee? Exactly. We, we might as well just take all the logos and the school names off and said, oh, this is a valid team. Oh, they're in. Right. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, let's talk a couple quick notes about some of the other games before we get to our game balls. Uh, big shout-out to the Citadel. Got a win 38-24 this week with zero passing yards. They were 0-1 through the air. So 
option football. Um, shout out to Western Illinois. 20 points down going into the fourth quarter, or 17 points down, put up 20 in the fourth quarter to get a comeback win against Southern Illinois to save their playoff hopes, which are hanging mm-hmm. on by a thread. And we got to talk about it again. The Colgate defense, for the third consecutive week, pitched a shutout. That's five shutouts in their last six games played. They are averaging, folks, 2.8 points allowed per game. They've allowed two touchdowns and three field goals this season. This doesn't make sense, man. How are they not a top-five team now? People are also arguing the fact that, oh, if they would have played Furman, they would have beaten – Furman would have blown them out like they did the last two years. They, They punked out that game like, wait a minute. This is a team that doesn't allow points. Did they see Furman the first five weeks of the season? Bingo. It's an average team. They've gotten much better since. But I also, we also I sent a message to Craig Haley. Is this the best college football defense or football defense, the best one in history, period? And he said, this is also, first of all, it's a Patriot League record for five shutouts. It ties the FCS record with the 1978 South Carolina State team. But Colgate's school record is seven shutouts in a season, 1935. We were talking about that pregame, but there's a little knowledge for you. So, oh, it's unprecedented. They still need two more to get. Although, with the Patriot League this year, they might get them. <laughs> you have to give shout-outs to head coach Dan Hunt. Unreal. He is one of the best coaches in football. And the fact that he's able to go about his business in Hamilton, New York, quiet as kept, yeah. and, and <laughs> get this team so fired up consistently on game day – it has now, at first it was like, okay, cool, we got a shutout. That's great. Great job, defense. But when you start to get a lot of them, it now becomes the expectation. So now your 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 team is looking like, dude, we got to get a shutout. So they are all in tune to what's going on for four quarters. It's impossible to have that happen for a football team. Even when you're blowing teams out and you're putting in backups, usually you give up a touchdown, maybe a field goal, and you can say, okay, well, we beat them 41-10. No, the backups are just as in tune to the game as the starters. They are. They take this thing seriously. Yeah. And Colgate, I don't care where you play, who you play against, what conference you're in or what league you're in, what division you are, getting shutouts in football is hard to do because yeah. it's, it's not like basketball where anybody can score. Right. Football, it takes a concerted effort of 11 guys yeah. to not allow points. Yeah. I'd be interested to see the splits on how often people cross the 50. Yeah. Against Colgate. Yeah. I know they do a great job inside the red zone, obviously. I think they've only allowed maybe eight or nine trips inside the red zone all season. And only five of them have resulted in points. Think about that. If that. So, and so. It, shout out to Bucknell for getting three. Because that would have been another one. <laughs> if they shut out Lehigh this week, and we know how high-powered offensively Lehigh is, if they shut out Lehigh... You're talking about the best defense in the history of football. I don't care. I want. I am here for all of the anti-Colgate arguments. I would love to hear them. Please I would tell love me. To, at Craig Haley, all your anti-Colgate arguments in detail. And they were number 12 this week. 12. 12. They should be in you the top think, five now. That's what I'm saying. What's interesting is because right after this show, we usually get uh, stats FCS top 25 come out. But we also get the coaches poll, the AFCA coaches poll. Yeah. And so right after the show last week, uh, as soon as we were done, we got the email for the AFCA coaches poll. And I'm like, okay, I know the coaches will see that Colgate is like easily a top five team. No? Twelve. I'm like, or seventh. They were seventh. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, How can you argue Because they don't want to play them. They don't want to play them. Like, how can you argue shutouts? Anyway, let's get into our game balls here. And I am going to start with a uh, now a repeat game ball recipient, Christian Wilkerson, wide receiver from SEMO, second consecutive game with three touchdowns as a receiver. He had eight catches for 129. He's putting up some good performances, and there's a reason why SEMO is looking at a playoff spot. Boy, they have – talk about – I can't wait till we get to, to the next segment or later on in the show – talking about strengthening your cases, but SEMO mm-hmm. has been one of those teams, obviously. I'm going to go with Jorge Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver, Lehigh. Nine receptions, 216 yards, 24 yards a catch, two touchdowns in their big-time victory this past weekend. They needed a win in the worst way. and needed an offensive explosion 
in the worst way they got it from Puerto Rico. Good luck next week, young man. You're going to need it. Get it all in today. Get it all in this week. <laughs> Let's get talk about that one. Um, got to give a shout-out here uh, to Alcorn State quarterback Noah Johnson. In a loss to an FBS opponent in New Mexico State this week, but he went 26 of 37, 316 and four touchdowns. That's a very, very impressive performance against an FBS school this late in the season. Against a team that doesn't throw the football. A forward team that doesn't throw the football is a lot like like other teams in the conference does. Yeah. Alcorn is a running team. So for Johnson to go out there and showcase his arm. Outstanding game. And nearly upset. Uh, they had a lead in that game late. Yeah. And so it was going back and forth with New Mexico State. I actually picked them to win in that ball game because I thought because they can run the football and New Mexico State couldn't stop the run, that was a win for Alcorn. But they damn sure – uh, showcase themselves well on national TV. I'm going to stay in the same conference to swack and go with Alabama A&M's quarterback, Akil Glass. 21 of 42, 50%, but 359 yards, three touchdowns, and a 45 to 14 blowout this past weekend. Keep an eye on Alabama A&M for next year. Yeah, they're building for something yes. special there for sure. I'm going to go back to the East Coast. Harvard quarterback Griffin O'Connor had himself a day 30 of 38, 436 four touchdowns in a big win for Harvard, who, again, had a bit of an off year this year. We'll see what happens next season, but Griffin O'Connor had himself a heck of a game. And we always give shout-outs to shout-outs, so obviously Colgate gets one, <laughs> and also yeah. Kennesaw State gets one for shutting out Campbell. I thought it was an impressive. That was impressive. That was impressive. Their defense is serious, but I would also give my defensive game ball to the Howard Bison secondary. Mm. They had one of the best cornerbacks in the land in uh, Brian Cook. He's their leading corner, 6'1", 190. He got hurt in that game and, and had to miss the rest of the second half, like a, a minor ankle injury. But the fact of the matter is that the entire secondary stepped up and kept making plays. Ty Freeland of uh, Howard is a free safety that, that is always around the football, had an interception, had a bunch of TFLs, and the guy that jumped in and replaced for Cook was able to hold his own one-on-one. They got lengthy corners. They were able to match up one-on-one. And they're being coached by Razai Dowling, the former Virginia Cavalier, former mm-hmm. NFL draft pick, first-round pick. So this is a team that does a great job in coverage. Yeah, Tremendous length in the secondary, and they did a great job in slowing down a frustrating FAMU's passing game, which was needed to be big that day in order to knock off the Bison and win the MIAC. Howard's secondary had second thoughts about that, other thoughts about that. Let's go into, uh, again, Week 10 was crazy. Week 11 will be crazier. But now we're getting down to the wire. We're really into the stretch run of the season here. And we really have to talk, again, we, go, we have to go into the dark and sometimes bizarre world that is the minds of the committee and try to figure out who's making these playoffs. Because this year, above all others, has just been Pandora's box. Every week we've got two, four, six ranked teams getting upset. And everything shifts. And then they lose again. And then they come back. It's been absolutely crazy. But after this weekend's games, we're really starting to get maybe a, maybe a slight glimmer of hope that we're going to get a clear picture here. For you, Emery, who strengthened and weakened their playoff chances after this past week? Let's start with strengthen, right? Yep. And I'll start with Colgate. Even though they are already in. They are clinched, yes. They are clinched. They have strengthened their case for a top eight seed, mm-hmm. a bye. Yep. With the way they're playing defense, they've earned it. Yes. I think what they did this past weekend against Fordham just, again, strengthened their case. Yeah. They don't let up off the gas. So they're winning big offensively, but they're winning big on defense as well. I thought they did a great job of strengthening their case. And that's they are now one of two teams. The Bison and North Dakota State also clinched the Missouri Valley this past week. So two teams, two slots are filled at this point. The rest of them we might be waiting until the end of the final whistle to right. figure out who else is in. Um, I'm going to go with University of Maine. Again, we've been talking about they had an incredible start to the season. They had a little slip. And then, as you said, pretty much an elimination games with how crazy the CAA has been this year. Although you could argue all like six or seven teams from the CAA could get in. They get the big win against URI. Then they beat Towson. This is a game I thought they were probably going to lose. Towson has played. Big, big win for UMaine. Like I said, they're 5-1 and one in conference play. 6-3, and three, I believe, overall. This is a team, I, I thought they had a pretty good shot when the season began. They've proven it. They've got a very strong offensive line. They've been able to rush the ball despite losing last year's leading rusher to a transfer. And they're winning ball games. They're, but they're winning games through game management as well, not just overpowering you. They had the game plan for Towson this week. 
that's another ranked opponent for the victory for Maine. That's got to get them in. Yeah, you were on Maine early. I'll give you props on that one. I would also say that Monmouth strengthened its case for an at-large mm. bid. Yes, they have a big game this weekend against Kennesaw State, but getting the win and pushing their record to, uh, I think Monmouth is sitting at 7-2 and two right now I in the season. I so, yes. Yeah, they're 7-2 and two overall. They won five straight games, 2-0 in conference play. They're playing better defense in conference uh, than they are out of conference. And with the big game this week, you know, that still puts them in play for the conference title. Right. So we could have a situation like we saw last year where the conference winner in the Big South gets the automatic berth and the number two team gets the at-large, getting that, gets yep. an at-large bid. I think with the way they've played, if they can just notch one more win, which gives them eight D1 wins, yeah, they strengthen their case big. They couldn't have, they couldn't have taken a loss this weekend, and they didn't. Their offense is on fire. Kenji Bahar throwing the football really well. Reggie White Jr., outstanding receiver. Um, I thought they did a great job of strengthening their case this weekend. I got a couple teams from the Missouri Valley that definitely strengthened their case, and that's Northern Iowa and Western Illinois. Now, again, they're kind of they're kind of tied together after the game I was at where Western beat Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa would have to run the table, and Western Illinois coming into that game needed to win that and win out and then hope for Northern you know the teams that they beat to have good seasons. And... You have Northern Iowa coming in. They beat a ranked opponent in Illinois State, who pretty much that's their death knell, for me at least. Western Illinois gets a nice comeback. Right now, they're sitting 2-3. and three. Western's actually above Northern Iowa on the tiebreaker. They're tied with South Dakota State at 4-2 and two in the conference, both sitting at 5-4. and four. Now, again, both of them are right now on, on a knife edge of getting in or not. But as we've seen from the committee, they do favor the CAA and the Missouri Valley. So if these teams continue to win and win out the rest of the season, finish seven and four and sit with would be six and two records in the conference, I think that gets them in. So again, it's on a knife edge for both of them. But I think they definitely helped their cases this week. Southeast Missouri State helped their case as well. Whew. This was on an upset alert because of the Yeah. You know, the predicted the unpredictability of Tennessee State. Yep. And the channel state pose as far as throwing the football and, and how they attack on defense. Simo got a big win um, in the conference game. And now, because like you said last week, they have one less game than Jacksonville State, although they own the tiebreaker. Right. Even if they don't win the conference, they have more than enough of an impressive resume to get the at-large bid. So to me, winning this game against Tennessee State this past weekend helped strengthen the case of Simo. And, and, And I was thinking about this too before we get into a couple more teams here. This season, it's turning into more of like the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. Where you see the top team wins the regular season, but then loses in the conference tournament. And so the automatic berth goes to a team that maybe doesn't deserve to be even in the postseason. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that all over the place. You could see that with SEMO beating Jacksonville State. If Monmouth wins that this week, right. they get in over Kennesaw. And again, with how crazy this season has been, those at-large bids are precious. And if they go to if ranked teams don't win their conference, they're gone. Um, team that definitely held their case this week is Nichols, one of the few teams in the <laughs> South right. who, I mean, it's just a war of attrition right now. Can in the South you last? <laughs> so Nichols, they got the win that they absolutely needed to have. Everybody is just collapsing around them right now in the South, and we'll get to a few of those teams in a second. But they certainly helped their case. They got a win over Houston Baptist. It's not that impressive a team, but 41-20. That's the win you needed to get. Nichols is probably going to move up. They were at 20 last week. I could see them probably around maybe 14, 15 this week. They're looking probably at the conference championship now. Nichols certainly helped. The last team I think strengthened their case this weekend, and I know they're going to hate this, but North Carolina A&T. Oh, no. Here's why they strengthened (laughs) their case for an at-large bid. One, because they beat Norfolk State. They had to struggle to beat Norfolk State. Um, And if they would have lost that game, it didn't matter if FAMU would have beaten Howard or not. FAMU would have got the right, conference. Right. But by the fact of the matter that they won the game and FAMU still controls their destiny, here's the thing. North Carolina State or North Carolina A&T has been holding steady in the top 15. Right. And we know that's the sweet spot for that large bid, right? Right, exactly. They have seven wins, one against East Carolina, one against Jacksonville State. Yeah, they have two. They have an impressive resume, and yeah. they could continue to win 
they have what one more game I believe or I think so yeah against Central or two more games two more games yeah and so they got, I know they got Central left so this team could have nine and two rec- a nine and two record not win the conference ranked high enough and get that automatic bid both games are, they have left are away Savannah State and North Carolina Central. So the they last can, two games. They have a they they have though both are winnable games, by the yes, way. Yes, definitely. So you're not keeping a nine and two North Carolina A and T team with two major D one wins, one an FBS win, one a, a FCS win out of a out of a, a premier program, a blue blood program in Jacksonville State. Yeah. Had they lost this weekend, it was curtains for A and T as far as the at large bid, which would have helped somebody out the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah. By A and T winning, they're on track to finish nine and two. Good luck trying to keep them out of the playoffs. One more game before we get to the teams that weaken their precision. Idaho State mm-hmm. for me. Now, again, the Big Sky, it looks like completely, it looks like it's been settled. It looks like it's going to be a three te- three bid league with UC Davis, Weber, and Eastern Washington. But this win for Idaho State, that now gets them to a 6 and 3 record. Their last two games are at Cal Poly and home with Weber. Okay, their losses this year are to Cal and Liberty. So there's two FBS, FBS opponents and UC Davis, and they only lost 44-37 in that game. They've beaten North Dakota. They beat preseason favorites Northern Arizona. They've beaten Montana State, and they beat Portland State, who's having a very good year for by their standards, 45, 48-45 and a wild one this week. If Idaho State runs the table, I think they put the, the committee in a very difficult position to keep them out just because of how that conference is. But I think Idaho State, they may or may not get in, but they certainly help their case to try to. One of the teams you mentioned is the one team I won't lead off this who weakened their case this weekend, North Dakota. I think, (laughs) you know, yes, they lost to Idaho State a couple of weeks ago, but losing to Idaho pretty much. That's it. I think that kind of has taken away. Any momentum they had building toward an at-large bid as an independent, yeah. you have to beat Idaho. The Vandals are not that good this year. North Dakota had some impressive wins on their schedule. But when you lose to Idaho and you have a, a mediocre record, let's say you finish 7-4. and four, As an independent. As an independent with, some, with a bad loss or two on that record, yeah. it's tough to argue for you juxtaposed to a team – like a Western Illinois or a Northern Iowa. So I thought they weakened their chances yep. this week with the loss of the Vandals. I'm going to kick things off with the rest of the Southland Conference. <laughs> um, I know you've got one of the teams that you want to go more in depth with, but McNeese and Central Arkansas. Right. Again, McNeese, we were both very high on McNeese this year. They were you know, disrespected last season with a 9-2 and record and left out of the postseason. They looked really, really good for a good portion of this season. They they. they were, they were very down impressive. Yeah, they were impressive. They have started to slip. And again, as we as I said before, this is the wild, wild west. It really has become that they're now six and three. They've got two losses in the last three games to Incarnate Word, who is having a very good season, who could make the playoffs now because Quietly. of these three teams slipping. But you lose to Southeastern Louisiana, that is a brutal, brutal loss. And to lose twenty three to six. Like I, and this is again, this is a team that we thought maybe had sealed their spot because they just beat Central Arkansas the week before. So you have to wonder if this is a letdown game. Now, what's going to help them is they have Northwestern State and Lamar left. But as we've seen from both of those teams, they can put up the points. Yeah, you can't count out Lamar. So exactly, and you look at Central Arkansas; they're now five and four. I think they might almost be done. That's back-to-back losses to McNeese and Lamar. That's brutal. That is a. I mean, their other losses are Tulsa and Sam Houston which you can kind of get, but, I mean, come on. I mean, on. that Sam Houston loss is bad, too. Yeah, now it is. Five and four. You want to talk about Sam Houston? Well, State? that's the team that, that to me, has <laughs> weakened their case. Uh, just when I was giving them praise this last week, how Brock has done a great mm-hmm. job, Ty mm-hmm. Brock has done a great job, but they go out and lose again. Yeah. And you can't. they are now, like you said, five and four, four and three in conference. In between Lamar and Abilene Christian. So, wow. yeah, and, and they don't have a lake to stand on. They lost to North Dakota. They lost to, to McNeese. You know, they, yep. have some, they have some significant losses on their schedule. And right now, with the way the rest of the conference, and it's, it's a shame because you want to look at these teams individually, but when you put them in context of the rest of the playoff conferences, yeah, 
they have no argument now. No. I, like you said, I think they may be done. Yeah, I think so, too. I can't believe I'm saying this team's name, Towson. Yeah. Back-to-back losses now. Now, again, to good teams, Delaware and Maine. But that puts them, at this point, at 6-3. and three. And their last two games are at Elon, who I think is a playoff team. And then their last game of the year is home with JMU. <laughs> Who, who, who could be a, a must-win game? That it's incredible to think this. That might be an elimination game. Wow! They could be facing a desperate JMU team. Who, by the way, they've got Rhode Island this week, which is no easy task to go into the Towson game at home. So you could see JMU versus Towson. First of all, it would be incredible that Towson's in contention at the beginning of the year. Second of all, it's incredible that JMU would be potentially on the bubble going into that game but for both to happen at the same time that speaks to the craziness of the season but Towson two weeks ago were national national title contenders right you thought they could probably challenge and they probably still could challenge North Dakota State now they're at back-to-back losses with two tough opponents left they could finish the season right around 500 and be mediocre again let me ask you this if let's just say Rhode Island beats JMU you think and wins out and finishes seven and four. Is that enough to put Rhode Island in over JMU? Rhode Island is in a unique situation because they would have a big win against Maine and a big win against JMU. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, JMU, despite their bad losses this year, were still ranked what they were fourth, fifth in the in the when they uh, released the top ten. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, well, I, I don't know if this is going to be – I think JMU might be in this year's UNH. I think their reputation saves yeah, them. Yeah, right. I mean, because if Rhode Island wins this game and finishes 7-4, and four, I think that knocks out another questionable team either out the Southland or SoCon, which – Could be a one-team league. Could be Wofford, who I have on my list as a weekend because Wofford's loss this week to Sanford was huge. Crazy. Crazy. East Tennessee State has at least a share of the conference. East Tennessee State. Which means East Tennessee State <laughs> is going to get in. Yeah. Wofford loses again. Yeah. They're out. Because, again, if Wofford loses and <laughs> Rhode Island wins, I think because oh. of who Rhode Island has beaten, yeah. they will push to- uh, Wofford out. And you know what's crazy about the season? Chattanooga 6-3. and three. We're not even talking about them. They're not even close. That's crazy. Which is nuts. And then let's talk about one more team before we go to our break here. Illinois State. I think they're done. Like, again, a month ago, they were looking at maybe a bye. Now they're done. What has happened? This is craziness. Like, this is, again, this is what the season can bring. This is what's great about parity is that it's just total chaos. This is what's great about the FCS. I know people look at the FCS and say it's boring because uh, North Dakota State always wins. You can say the same thing about the FBS with... Alabama, but it's not boring. Mm-mm. Everyone, this is this is a fun year. We're there's talk- playoffs to talk about exactly, and there's a and <laughs> there's a lot of cases to be made for and against a lot of teams that are having good seasons. You brought up Chattanooga, like my goodness, Chattanooga is four and three and fifth in the conference right now, but six and three overall. They yeah. could finish eight and three. They can be this year's McNeese, this year's Austin P, and not make the playoffs with an eight and three record. And they've only they lost to East Tennessee State by three. Conference lost to champs. Wofford by 21-10. They only lost to Furman by six points this week. There's not losing by much, but there's enough where they're not even in conversation but, anymore. Well, that's the that's the weakened part of it. They shouldn't have lost to Furman. No, exactly. It, it's Again, folks, it's absolutely bonkers. I think probably going into this week we had, what, 40 teams that could possibly be a playoff team? I, think it, I don't think it got smaller. I think it got bigger after this week. I think we're up to, like, 50 teams. Who could literally legitimately say, we deserve to be in the top 24 in the country to go to this playoff. And again, this is why we need bowl games. Because there are so many good football teams with so many incredible players who are probably going to play at the next level that won't even see the postseason in their last year. It's absolutely bonkers. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's our version of cocaine, I think. It is one, <laughs> You're right. It's like, I need another hit. Top 10 loss. Ah, yes. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to take a break here, folks. When we come back... Again, we're going to be talking about, we're going to quickly mention 2019, amazingly. We're going to be talking about some sleeper teams for next season. We're going to talk about who we think our top eight playoff seeds are. 
And then we're going to get into our games for week 11, and I'm changing up one of my categories. It's no longer a telling game, because we've, we've been told all we need to know, and we don't need to be told anything else because it doesn't make sense. The critical games of week 11 in terms of the playoff picture, along with the trap, unsung, and best games of the week. Again, folks, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. We'll be back after this commercial break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of our podcasts, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes to search football game plan in the podcast section. You can look at all of our content from the NFL to the FBS to the FCS. Emory covers it all. He also covers it all on footballgameplan.com. Go there for all your football knowledge and go to youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all of the preview videos week to week, which will give you a full breakdown of the FCS action. Let's get into the second half of the podcast here, Emery. And we're going to talk about 2019. As crazy, we need a break from 2018. It's been too ca- crazy, too, crazy. too chaotic. So let's talk about 2019, and let's talk sleepers. Because we've se- as we've seen this year, the parity is going through the roof in the FCS level. We're seeing teams that, in the last couple of years, were laughing stocks, like your Columbia's, your Austin P's have risen up. But we've seen some really good teams this year that are playing around 500 ball that we didn't expect who are your 2019 sleepers at this point? First of all, I got to give a, a huge shout out to all these teams for getting off the mat and playing some good football and, mm-hmm. and building toward the future. So I'm going to start off with a team that I've seen play live twice, and I will see them this weekend against Morgan State, and that's Delaware State. Mm. Head coach Rob Millsett has these guys playing confident football, two-game winning streak, and they've looked impressive in both wins. And because they're starting to run the football – they're playing sound defense. Coach Rob Mills said was a Delaware State legend. Yeah. Won two conference titles when he was there. He's trying to restore the pride in that program. And he doesn't have Delaware State in the cellar. Right. Two straight wins. Yep. Could potentially get a third one this week against Morgan State. He's finishing on a high note, which definitely springboards into 2019. Absolutely. I, I got to talk about Murray State. In the OVC. And yes. talk about a team that came out of nowhere. We were talking about Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, maybe having a good year. Murray State's at 4-2 and two in conference play. They're 4-5 overall. They found an offense. They've really got some nice production this season. Still a couple questions on defense, but they've set themselves up nicely into an OVC, which, as we've seen this year with SEMO, is turning out to be wide open potentially in the future. Indiana State is another one. I had them as well, yeah. Yeah, that good job by Coach Mallory. They could make the playoffs this year. Quietly. <laughs> Quiet, like Quietly. Silent, they, silently. They <laughs> they have played. You talk about a sleeper in the Missouri Valley. If they went out, they're on a three-game winning streak now. Can you imagine the Sycamores getting in? Unbelievable. With the loss of <laughs> Jaquan Keys, too, and still able to win, they're going to be good next year. They got Illinois State and then Western. Ooh, they could knock out the Leathernecks. That game could decide who gets in, amazingly, if you right. think about it. Because who's going who's gonna to keep out a red-hot Sycamore team? Because if the Sycamore finished at 7-4, and four, as we saw with UNH last year, that's sometimes good enough. But if Western finishes 7-4, and four, it, it's again, there's too many things to talk about here. I'm going to talk about Portland State, though. I had them, too. Good job. What a good season they've had. And again, out of nowhere. This is a team I think a lot of people expect maybe with two wins. Tops. Yeah. Out of the big sky. They have been... Very, very impressive. Big shout-out to the Vikings. I think it's the Vikings. The Vikings, yes. So they have done an excellent job. They've really come to prominence here. We thought maybe Northern Colorado would be that team out of the right. big sky. 
Portland State has really come to prominence. I like what I see from this team. They're four and five this season. They've got wins over Montana, over Sac State. They got North Dakota next week. That's another possible win for them. That's a very good season. How about the Southland's finest, Lamar and Abilene Christian? I had Lamar for sure. Yeah, Lamar could make the playoffs this year. Yep. Abilene Christian <laughs> is going to make the playoffs next year. I'm calling my shot already. Ooh. They're good. Ooh. Okay. Both teams came out of – although – Although. I was on Abilene Christian in preseason saying this is a surprise team out of the Southland. Okay. They held court, but Lamar was – the team I didn't expect to come out of nowhere and be no. this good. They are excellent. They're in a great position to, to uh, when I was with my last one, uh, going back to the MEAC, South Carolina State. Yeah. They've played strong football. Quietly. And they got, they've been winning games with freshmen and redshirt freshmen and a few sophomores. If Coach Buddy Pugh comes back, yeah, I know he's he's looking at this team that he's, he's constructed <laughs> with all these young players they are three and two in conference, three and five overall, and have won two straight games. And now, all of a sudden, this game against FAMU isn't a gimme for FAMU. No. So, if he's able to win the rest of the way, see the youth coming back, and then decide, you know what, I'm not ready to hang up. This team is going to be special in 2019. I kind of agree with him. One other team I'll mention too before we get to our topic playoff seeds, quietly having a, a a good year is Morgan State. Defensively, defensively, they have looked much, much better. Uh, granted, the record doesn't show it, but they've lost a lot of close ball games. They've beaten A and T, and you know, so right. there's that. So I think this is a team. If they find some, find their offense, they have to. They have to find their offense. Defensively, they're very, very strong, but offensively, they still have work to do. Let's talk about the playoffs. I can't believe <laughs> well, we're almost there already. Now it's time to talk about who gets the bye. And we got the top eight seeds here. Again, two tickets have been punched. North Dakota State and Colgate are in. We know that. The question is, do they get a buy in your eyes? Let's run down your list, Emery. Let's go from eight to one. All right, number Who's eight. your University of Delaware. Okay, yep. Now, this is contingent on Delaware winning the conference, mm-hmm. which we know can change at any given week because you <laughs> yeah. have Elon and Maine yeah. still, still in the mix, right? And yep. even James Madison. Yep. So let's say Delaware wins the conference. To me, they're number eight. Okay. Number seven, the SoCon winner. So that's East Tennessee State or Wofford. Okay. I think they've earned enough okay. to get the bye. At number six, whoever wins the OVC. I think both wow. teams are strong. You think SEMO gets they should. a bye? They should. Ooh. Um, they won the conference. They've knocked off the big dog in Jacksonville State. I think they should. Yeah. Number five, Weber State. Solid. Big fan of the Wildcats and what they do defensively. Uh, number four, Colgate. Mm-hmm. Shutouts matter. Yeah. If you can't score, you will not win. What's that cliche? Defense does something. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't say cliche, so I won't finish it. Right. That one. Yeah, that that one there. holds true for Colgate. And <laughs> people act like we've never seen Colgate win a national championship before. Um, Hello? <laughs> right. People act like we've never seen them have Peyton Award winners. <laughs> I feel like Herm Edwards over here. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Number three, probably the biggest story of the FCS season that no one is talking about, UC Davis. Yeah. Yeah. How dominant has the Aggies been? Shout out to second-year coach Dan Hawkins for turning this program around. Yeah. UC Davis looks damn good. Second, Kennesaw. Yes. Talk about defense. They have it. And they got the offense. They match. got the offense. They, they have a unique option, which I like. Right. Um, and number one, obviously, North Dakota State. Yeah, obviously, for many reasons. All right, my top eight. Number eight, Elon. Quietly, again, in the chaos that has been the CAA, Elon has been one of the teams that's just been con- calmly moving along, doing their thing. I think they get a buy as an at-large. I think ahead of Maine just because of where they are ranked now. Right. That's the only reason I have them uh, instead of Maine at that eight spot. Number seven. Weber, again, this was a team we thought would probably have a down year because yeah. they had a lot of a lot of losses to graduation. They have been very, very good. I've been very impressed with their. As you said, their defense has been fantastic. I've got Delaware at six. We knew they were going to be good. We were a little surprised how slow they started. They've accelerated. They've we got their we knocked the them for uh, the Rhode Island game, I believe. Yeah, and <laughs> forgot that it was all oh, this Rhode Island, but 
Rhode Island ended up being good this year. Yeah, exactly. Rhode Island, I mean, again, doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, but they've, they're building something. But but, <laughs> but Delaware got smoked by, by North Dakota State. That is true. So them over Elon, I don't, you know. Them, them ahead of Elon, that's what I said. Like De- like I said, Delaware's at six, Elon's at eight. Well, I'm saying, like, how? how? I, I think Delaware overall, I think that was, I mean, I don't think there's many teams that could beat okay. North Dakota State, though. Number four, number five, Eastern Washington. Again, wow. Really, really strong. And, again, they've had injury issues. They've lost their starting quarterback. It doesn't matter. They're still rolling along they and run the dominating ball. teams. Eastern Washington, they've gone from a aired-out offensive team with Cooper Cup last year, and now they've had to adjust to a rushing offense, and they're still winning by huge margins. Very, very impressed with how versatile they've been. I got UC Davis at number four. We talked about it. How are they going to expand the offense? We already know they've got a first-round draft pick at wide receiver. We already know they have a good quarterback. Can they expand beyond that? They've done more than expand. They've thrived with that kind of offensive plan. Colgate at three because how can you not? 2.8 <laughs> points a game, you say? 2.8 points per game. They're averaging a safety <laughs> allowed. That's ridiculous. I got Kennesaw at number two, as you said. This team is crazy, uh, but watch. They'll lose to Monmouth because 2018, that's why. And number one, North Dakota State only got past Youngstown State 17-7, Yeah, though. They, they had to sweat it out a little a bit. A little bit, yeah, a, a little, little nervous bit, against know, the Penguins. Bit, so you know, They had to work themselves until ladder before they, again. <laughs> or not, did they just start their third stringers? <laughs> through, <laughs> 90 points in conference they've given up. That's crazy. That's a very, very good defense. Jeez. Let's get into week 11. Some of the critical games. Again, they're not telling games anymore. They're critical games. Abilene Christian at Sam Houston. Massive game for Sam Houston State. Towson at Elon. That could be an elimination game for Towson, depending on how it goes. Incarnate Word is at Central Arkansas. Huge game for both teams there. URI at JMU. I can't believe that's a that's a critical game for the playoffs. That's a critical game. And Illinois State at Indiana State, which is might be more critical for the Sycamores than it is the Redbirds. Who thought that about three weeks ago? Trap games this week. San, Di- San Diego. Again, the Pioneer has been a little crazy this year. San Diego's at home with Davidson. That Davidson offense can give offense you... Offense can score, and it's out there in sunny San Diego, too? No it's weather implications? I'm just saying that could be interesting. Princeton at Yale. Interesting ball game because you never know what could happen at the Yale Bowl. And SEMO at Murray State this week. That is an interesting one. That's an interesting... SEMO better not be counting on, okay, we got the extra game at hand. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not going to happen. Unsung games this week. Sacred Heart at Duquesne. Big game in the NEC. That's for the NEC. That is a critical matchup for the automatic bid and probably the only bid out of the NEC. Yep. Kennesaw at Monmouth, as we said. Winner takes all. And Portland State at North Dakota. Interesting ball game. A lot of green in that one. Interesting. A lot of green. And the best games this week, Delaware at Stony Brook. That's a great game. Great game. Stony Brook, again, I would take them over JMU right now. If I had to, if I'm on the committee, I'm taking Stony Brook ahead of JMU. Really? I would. Despite the head-to-head. I would. And if Stony Brook wins this game, I'd even pick them even more. And then the biggest game for me this week, though, and it's got to be the FCS Stats Game of the Week. Can we just call it now? What is it? UC Davis, Eastern Washington. That's the Stats FCS Game of the Week? That is going to be an incredible ball game to watch. That should be on ESPNU. Yeah. Put that in. I don't care about UCLA. They're garbage. I want to see UC Davis, Eastern Washington. Yeah, I'm surprised that one isn't on ESPN. Somewhere. Like, somewhere. Come on. Let's get into some of the other Week 11 action. Again, folks, if you want the full preview with all of Emory's predictions, go watch the videos on YouTube. He goes through all of them there. Some of the games we're going to be, fo- uh, some of the kind of under-the-radar games. NC Central taking on Bethune-Cookman. Now, again, two teams that have been kind of middle of the road this year, but both are looking forward to big games to end the season. Bethune-Cookman's got Florida A&M. Central's got A&T. This is the warm-up game. And if you're Bethune-Cookman, you still have a flickering chance of the Celebration Bowl. You need this win and a lot of help. So it's a must-win game. And it's a Thursday game. So these games always get interesting. And I know a lot of heat has been on head coach Terry Sims of Bethune-Cookman. I think, in my opinion, he's safe. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, he does a great job down there. Um, This is just a year where the MEAC has just gotten significantly better. Yeah. So – 
this game will be very fun to watch from a perspective of Bethune still has a lot to play and Central can still play spoiler. Yep. Talk about playing spoiler, and that's Youngstown State. They're home with Northern Iowa. Elimination game for the Panthers. Who? What's going to be the key to this game? Obviously, Youngstown, they took North Dakota State to the brink. What can Northern Iowa do? One, they can't turn the ball over. Yep. You can't give a team like Youngstown State confidence. You saw how they were able to get up for uh, North Dakota State. Now, will they have a letdown because it wasn't because they weren't able to finish the, the drill against North Dakota State and kind of sleepwalk in this game against Northern Iowa? But this right. game is at Stanball Stadium. Northern Iowa has a lot on the line. Huge. So the Penguins can still play spoiler in this one. So that's why they still can get up for this game like they did last week. I talked about this one. Sacred Heart versus Duquesne is going to be a big one, but there's another game going on in the NEC, Central Connecticut versus St. Francis. Depending on how that Duquesne-Sacred Heart game goes, this is a critical game for the Blue Devils to repeat as champions. Yeah, they have to win, man. They, they've been playing some weird football as yeah. of late. You know, yeah, just when you're ready to buy in, they lose. Just when you're ready to write them off, they go on a, a winning streak. You're right. This is a huge game. And, and they're, they are rooting for Duquesne because that means they would all have one loss right? if Central Connecticut wins that game. Another wild game of the Pioneer, Butler hosting Stetson. Who would have thought Stetson would be still in contention? <laughs> and they are rooting for Davidson this week. This is craziness. Stetson has all the wins. Stetson has, what, <laughs> seven wins? Stetson's going to finish 15-1 and one and still finish second in the, in the Pioneer League because they couldn't beat San Diego. You know, but uh, credit Stetson for having a winning season, man. Like, this is phenomenal. They were finished, predicted finish last probably in a Pioneer. I give them a ton of credit for turning that program around. This is, I'm glad to see a program like this have success. Yeah. Because when you look at other programs that started around the same time as they did, they've had their success already. Yeah. Stetson finally starting to taste that success. And I think this is a team that you could probably – add on that sleepers list yes for 2019 i will say this though san diego their last two games are not pushovers davidson and marist both teams have had some quality wins so san diego better not be sleepwalking otherwise they're going to stub their toe on something that's all marist still has an outside shot too somehow like again this is the crazy of the season marist and stetson have a chance <laughs> in the pioneer let's move on to um again the another big game in the patriot league colgate at lehigh as we said strength versus strength we know what Colgate's defense can do. We also have seen what Lehigh can do offensively when they're on their game. It'll be interesting to see who is the stronger force in this ballgame. I'm I'm all in on Colgate. I want to see how many more teams can they shut out. This has been <laughs> yeah. fun to watch. Like, you're checking the, the box scores to see, has a team scored yet? And <laughs> Colgate does a great job of playing defense. My God. Like, I can't, I can't call it, bro. I... I I'm excited to watch them continue to play. I'm more excited to watch them play defense than I am Princeton playing offense. I want to see how they can how, how they do because again, there's a lot of weapons for Lehigh. I want to see what they do with Puerto Real and Bivens. They've done had a pretty good season there. Um, William and Mary at Villanova again. Nova gets the injury bug this season again. William and Mary has looked okay. They've looked okay in the last year, year of Jimmy Laycock. How do you see this game going on? William and Mary is. Uh, they're in an interesting situation because this is a program that the job hasn't been open for 40 years. 40 years. <laughs> so when you look at this program in the context of how many coaches are salivating. How many how many coaches do you think are in the stands every game trying to like wit, like work their way in? Exactly. Like There's going to be like 40 or 50 co- assistants and head coaches. Oh, yeah, I'm going on a scouting trip yes i'm, I'm find themselves in Williamsburg. scouting scouting <laughs> um yeah we don't play william and mary for the next three seasons i don't care i'm scouting this is this is a good game for william and mary man this is another opportunity to notch a win for jimmy laycock and also notch a win for their own team that's gonna they're gonna be the ones returning next year uh, yep. without their coach and so the more good film you put on on tape the better it is for you this team is starting to, to play competitively and yep. i like that about the tribe there's no way North Dakota State's going to have any problem with Missouri State. You never know Are with they? Missouri State. You never know with Missouri <laughs> State. Depends on how many interceptions he throws, and that they'll win the game if he throws more than four. Remember, Missouri State was in the conversation for an at-large bid, <laughs> and Just, now what is happening? Right, is they've lost three straight games. Uh, so I, I don't know State. what Missouri. I'm not saying they're going to knock off North Dakota State, but if you're North Dakota State, do you play all your red shirts this game? Just to get them 
sometime. You may. Yeah, that's a good idea. You, you might just you, keep them all, keep the the star players from getting injured. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you may be more uh, a little bit more lenient with your uh, substitutions in this in this ball. Game. I think so. Wofford at Western Carolina. This is a big game for Wofford. Do or die game for Wofford. I can't believe we're saying this. <laughs> Wofford right now is <laughs> uh, second in the SoCon, six and three overall. One losses to Wyoming. They can't lose this game. And you talk about playing spoiler. The Catamounts are losers of six straight games, but they do have the X Factor. Tyree Adams, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. If they can pull off the upset, that makes things easier for a Southland Conference team or a Missouri Valley Conference team. And I think an upset here knocks Wofford out. That's crazy. I can't. How? Crazy, right? How? Houston Baptist at Lamar. We talked about Lamar. One of the sleepers potentially for next year. Maybe we get a look at them in this game against Houston Baptist. This is a game that they have to dominate. Yeah. So yeah. for them, if they're going to make a case for an at-large bid, if they're able to run the tables and, and work some magic and, and get in, a game like Houston Baptist, they have to really pour it on. Let's talk about this next game. Let's call this the what could have been bowl. Montana at Idaho. Oh, my goodness. This was supposed to be for the big sky. Both These two teams should have been in, at least going for an at-large conference bid. You know, at-large bid in the playoffs. Neither team's even in the conversation anymore. Idaho's been very disappointing coming down from the FBS. Montana looked great, and now they look awful. What happens here? <laughs> well, are we going to have just a brawl in midfield at this one? Is that how this is going to work? This is Maybe this is a preview for next year. Hopefully. Hopefully both teams can get back on the on the right track. And I think when you look at this ball game, I, I, I believe the what will be to watch is the defense. Yeah. Both Definitely. defenses. I love the linebacking core on both sides for, for both teams. So I will be more interested in the defense in this ball game as opposed to the offense. Draft prospects for plenty in the uh, second, yeah. in the second Josh level. Josh Buss is a really good player. Jacksonville State, Alabama State. Interesting ball game here Jackson across State. conference. Jackson State. Excuse me, Alabama State. Interesting game here in the uh, in the SWAC. Yeah, because Jackson State was able to win last week. Um, Quietly having a good season as well, Jackson yeah, State. Yeah, there's no reason to get rid of Tony Hughes, in my opinion. Ugh. So they're sitting there 4-4. Four and four. They won last week, 3-2 and two in conference play. Now, Alcorn is the clear-cut favorite and will win the, the SWAC East, um, although Alabama and may have something to say about that. Mm-hmm. But Jackson State and Alabama State, two teams uh, that are going to be good next year. This has been a very competitive year in the SWAC. It's usually a two-team, three-team uh, league, uh, really two in the West, one in the East. Yep. But shout out to the rest of the teams for getting up to speed. New some, some new coaches. I'll be interested to see who gets that Jackson State job. Interesting game out east in the Ivy. Harvard at Penn. Interesting ball game. Yeah, Penn is quietly good. Yeah, it, 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 another good season in the Ivy where most of the teams are having decent years. Yeah, and Harvard was able to blow out. Uh, who they, they blew out? Uh, I want to say Yale last week. Not Yale. They didn't blow out. Yale, they, they, Columbia. They Columbia. blew out Columbia yeah. last week, and so Harvard's quarterback was pretty good and. I think Penn, watching them play defensively, I love how they have great team speed. Excited to see how they the, uh, match up against Harvard's passing attack. Austin P versus Eastern Illinois. Again, teams that could have, maybe should have. They haven't. Austin P looking to get a little respect back, though. Still have to give props to Austin P for having a competitive season. Yeah. We were spoiled last year because it was such a shock. But this year, still 4-5 and five on the season. You know, that's still good. They're still trekking in the right direction, so I'm excited to see them get out there and close out the season. And the last game we're going to talk about, Hampton. They survived their trip up to New York. They did a great job. Defeating SUNY Maritime. Uh, this this week, a little bit, well, still a long trip. they got to go down to the bayou, take on Mississippi Valley State. And you could be lulled asleep going to Itabina, Mississippi. Um, easily. Easily. <laughs> but Hampton is one of those teams that I've been impressed with how they've handled this this turmoil of 2018. Craziness. Put them on a list for 2019. I think they can get out there and take care of business against the Delta Devils. Another team you want to put on that list for sleepers I forgot to mention, Holy Cross. Yeah. Quietly, when you look at the Patriot League and, and they're how setting it's, themselves they're up. They're setting themselves up. Coach Chesney has done a great job in, in keeping this, this thing afloat. They're third in conference play. They won two straight games. Um, they're three and six on the season. I think next year we're going to see Holy Cross have a huge turnaround. Folks, that is going to do it for the Week 11 preview. Again, if, if you try to predict anything, you're going to lose a lot of money. That's all we're saying. A ton of pesos. Emery, where are you going to be this weekend? I have the ESPN3 broadcast this week for Delaware State, Morgan State, so I'll be in Baltimore, Charm City, having nice. some crap cakes. Yes. Uh, 
I love I love seeing Morgan State play football because they they keep you in it for the entire game. It's, and you <laughs> and have break to, your heart at the you, end. You have to be in tune the entire game. And I think when you look at how they play, uh, you, you have to like that they can run the ball. They play good defense. But Delaware State, I love what Rob Mills is doing with that program. He got these guys believing. Yep. And I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the last game or or not, but. I don't know if he's lost his red shirt, mm. but Michael Chris Ike is a fun player to watch. Mm. Going to be an interesting game there for sure. Again, folks, thanks for listening in. If you want to listen back on any of our podcasts, go to iTunes and SoundCloud. They are all there on demand. Search Football Game Plan and subscribe while you're there so you don't miss anything from Football Game Plan. Emery, thank you as always. Maybe we'll have a clearer picture of the playoffs next week, but I doubt it. I, I, was it 40 teams last week, 50 teams this week? I think we're probably up to 60 next week at this point. We might as well just throw everybody in. Even UNH still has a shot. We're gonna, <laughs> we'll give UNH an at-large bid. Thanks for listening in, folks. Again, go to the polls tomorrow. It's important. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next week.